Well, Ashley, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. You're 29? Exactly. Okay. Uh, so it's your birthday. It's a special day. Um, also, because we're starting um, a new segment on Mashley at the Movies called Retro. So when we began this podcast in January 2018, you know, it was, it was all about new movies, with the exception of our uh, Halloween special episodes and our Christmas special episodes. And then last year when the pandemic hit and they weren't doing new movies for a little bit, we kind of just uh, switched over to older movies. And those proved kind of popular. I looked at our listenership numbers and, you know, a lot of people listen to those episodes. So uh, now this is our excuse to talk about any old movie we want to. It doesn't have to be a criterion film. It doesn't have to be a bad movie. This can just be any time we want to talk about uh, on our podcast an older movie. This is it. So welcome to Retro, everybody. Life could not better be, better be, better be. It could not possibly, no sirasirasiri. All right. So our first movie in Retro is going to be one of your favorites, Ashley. We're talking about it for your birthday. It's The Court Jester. Okay, so The Court Jester, I believe, came was made in 1955, but was released in 56, perhaps. And it stars Danny Kaye as Hubert Hawkins. And he's a former uh, circus performer, but now he has become part of a, a band of individuals who are trying to overflow, overthrow the king, who has um, taken the throne from the rightful heir, who's a little baby. And there um, he is charged along with um, um, Maid Jean, played by Glennis John. She's a captain, a, a part of this band. And they've been charged with um, protecting this little infant. And, you know, there's a lot of plot. Stuff happens. Um, he ends up impersonating the court jester to kind of infiltrate into the castle um, and get near to the king. And yeah, a lot of things happen and a lot of fun and hilarity ensues. Yeah, this is my first time watching it. Uh -huh. um, you've long talked about it. <laughs> I know you liked it. So tell me, like, what, what about it do you like? Well, I, I know that a lot, you know, Danny Kaye is kind of a divisive actor, I feel, because he, he has this shtick and it, a little of it goes a long way. And I've certainly seen other films with him where I found him to become kind of annoying. Um, I don't find it in this movie so much. We, that may be a disagreement we have, but I, I, I find his performance to be for him, um, relatively, um, you know, I don't know if laid back is the word, but he, he, it's nuanced because he gets to do a lot of different things. He gets to be the crazy court jester. But, um, you know, for, for reasons, <laughs> he also gets to play kind of a, a swashbuckling hero at times. Um, and there are some quiet moments, um, that I think he does really well. So I like it for, for his performance. And I, you know, without Danny Kaye, you know, the court jester would not be what it is. That, that's safe to say. Um, but I also am a huge fan of um, the 1938 film, uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood. 
And this movie is very much, I don't know if it's a parody or an homage. We can have that discussion, but it's very much, um, it owes a lot to that movie in look and in style. And, um, they both actually have Basil Rathbone in them as, as a villain. So, um, I love just the way that the movie looks and the way it feels. It's fun and exciting and. I don't know. The, this era of movies, this mid fifties is kind of my favorite era. And I just kind of like the vibe of it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, I didn't realize this until you made a list on, I think on Letterboxd, uh, about, you know, there's a lot of good movies in the fifties, uh, <laughs> yes. particularly 1955. Yeah. I, I think I counted three or four of my top 10 all came out in this <laughs> span of a year. Yeah. You got Night of the Hunter among those. Um, so, I think your your, mention, your your description of Danny Kaye might be a little influenced by me because <laughs> I was saying to you, before, you know, and, and offline that, um, yeah, I've never really warmed to him um, because he, I sort of put him in the Robin Williams League, um, and I'm not a fan at all of the Robin Williams comedy work. Uh, the only exception maybe being Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, which. Mrs. Doubtfire is a little creepy if you think about it, but um, I love Robin Williams' dramatic work. Yeah. And, um, but his, his, com- his comedic stuff, again, a little bit of Robin Williams' comedy went a long way. And I've always felt sort of the same about Danny Kaye. But, you know, this has been one of your favorite movies, and you've talked about it a lot, so I'm like, okay, let's watch this. Uh, and I, I like the first half better than the second half, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But um, I this movie pops. I mean, when you compare it to the adventures of Robin hood from 1938, you are not joking <laughs> because that's another movie that pops. And right. um, I forget what the color grading was in that. I, I noticed at the beginning of, of court jester, it says it was in Vista vision. Um, but yeah, both of these movies, I mean, they're, you know, um, 17, 18 years apart, you know, we'll round up and say almost 20 years apart. And um, they look like they could have just been made, Back to back, or you know, mm-hmm. filmed simultaneously, um, which I don't know. Um, this movie bombed at the box office. I think I was reading afterward; it cost four million to make, and it made uh, two million at the box office. So it was a flop. But then it became sort of popular when it was like shown on TV and became sort of like a matinee favorite mm-hmm. with kids and, and whatnot, families. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's got a lot of good actors. You mentioned some of them, you know, but um, you know, Glennis Johns, um, the always always excellent Basil Rathbone, Miss uh, <laughs> Angela Lansbury, uh, Mildred Natwick. It's got you know, if you are at all familiar with movies from this era, I mean, it's got several of, of, of names you'll know. Yes, indeed, and I th- I think too that one reason. I can watch it over and over again is due to the performances, but also due to the plot, which I think is pretty, it's pretty interesting because it's, it's actually pretty complicated. And a lot of the humor comes from the complicated plot and how there's multiple plot lines. There's all the characters have their own little plans and they all think, much of the humor comes from the fact that they all think Danny Kaye's character is playing a particular role in those plans, but he's usually completely confused and and not really 
part of the plans at all. And so that, you know, that's one reason that I like it is because I'm just, I'm really impressed by the, the structure of, of the movie and how complicated it is, but it's never hard to follow and it's always just amusing. And I always love kind of a farce, like, you know, a, a comedy of errors. And this is kind of very much in, in that vein because there's mistaken identities and, um, a lot of topsy turvy things like the, the uh, again, one of the funnier parts is, um, his character gets uh, hypnotized and at a snap of a finger, um, he changes personality completely. <laughs> so it's just ridiculous stuff like that, that, that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, um this movie has good music. It does. I, and I, I don't know if I a hundred percent knew going into it that it was a quasi musical. I mean, it's not like a, in the Heights musical, I mean, yeah. where it's almost wall to wall singing, but I mean, it has a, a select few songs and I was, they're good. I mean, this ranks right up there to me as far as the song content with like Mary Poppins or bed knobs and broomsticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from the opening number and the, and the credits, I mean, the, the opening credits are cute. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I love the song. Um, I'll take you dreaming that Danny K sings to the little, a little baby. It's a lullaby. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's a gorgeous yeah, you downloaded it after. That. I did. I got it on Spotify. I'm like, I'm listening to this, yo. Um, yeah, uh, it's no, it, it's it, it's 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 got good uh, good songs. Um, and the first half, or I mean, I guess it's maybe the first half, uh, is my favorite. Um, Danny Kaye is more subdued. <laughs> he does kind of put on a disguise at one point and that's kind of a cute scene and mm-hmm. I like that. And, you know, he there's the quiet moment at night where he, you know, he and Glennis Johns are settling down and then, you know, he sings the lullaby to the baby um, and they're sort of setting things up and you have some scenes out in the, I put in quotation marks, the forest um, with, and then also scenes at the back of the castle where Basil Rathbone is scheming. And I, I like all of that. Um, it's when he gets to the castle it's where the movie um, doesn't work quite as well for me because almost immediately they introduce like uh, it becomes like three's company <laughs> and that's maybe a dated reference. So people our age may get that if you're younger than that, just, just know that that's when the kind of what you referenced earlier, the series of misunderstandings uh, occur yeah. and boy, are there a lot. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's an opportunity for Danny Kay to start mugging and <laughs> So I have to step back and say, on a technical level, I mean, he gives a tour de force performance in this movie. I mean, it's actually a lot of, you know, physical work and and complicated, you know, comedy, in quotes, comedy routines that he's doing. Uh, (laughs) But it's the manic Danny Kaye persona that I that takes over in that half of the movie. And I'm not a fan of that. And then this movie also has... Um, it, it wore me out a little bit because it has, and I guess the best way to describe it is more than one ending. It has sort of a climactic fight scene, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is mm-hmm. the fight scene. And then like, no, but wait, there's more. <laughs> because then there's like another climactic fight scene. And then, so, you know, um, it gets it gets to be very busy. And I think your you know your mileage may vary on that. I think that it works obviously, and that's great. It works more for you, and that's awesome. It did not work as much for me, but I appreciated the technical aspect of that. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, yeah, we just kind of disagree on that. To me, to me, this has just the right amount of manic Danny Kaye, and, and it doesn't go doesn't go overboard. Um, and I I love Three's Company, and I and I love uh, the the topsy turvy plot that uh, this movie has. Um, I don't know. I just find it very. <laughs> I don't know. I find that stuff very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thought Mr. Frilly was going to show up. <laughs> no, no. And what about um, Glennis Johns? So I always thought that it was kind of forward thinking that she's a captain and that he's, she's actually um, leading him, mm-hmm. you know, in this exercise. And, but they also, you know, of course, they also have, a, there's a love that develops, a relationship that develops. Um, so I always thought that was interesting that they kind of put her in that role. And it's interesting because he's, you know, when they do get to the castle, he's he's so befuddled and confused. Anything that goes right with their plan, it's all up to her. The things that she does, she, you know, she gets the key originally. She's, you know, everything that works um, because of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just kind of muddling through. So I always thought that her character was 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 pretty interesting um, that they chose to do it, go that way. I agree with that. And so, you know, this is again, roughly rounding up. This is about a decade before Mary Poppins, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the role that I'm most familiar uh, with for her. (laughs) And I love Mary Poppins, the movie, but Linus Johnson's character in there is a bit of a scatterbrain. And she's part of this sister suffragette movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And, early 20th century England, and they kind of make fun of that. Mm. So she's sort of a scatterbrained suffragette that they make fun of, you know? And I, I that's always not sat well with me. So I actually was quite pleasantly surprised to see her in, in this type of role, uh, you know, even a decade earlier. So I do agree with you about that. Mm. You, you brought up something I wanted to kind of mention about the Danny Kaye character that I didn't quite like, but is his he's a, he's a little up and down. He, he, he's not completely well-defined on his bravery because granted one of the three's company style plots in this is that he gets hypnotized. And so, you know, with a snap of the fingers, one minute, he's kind of one minute he's brave and, 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 and wants to marry the Angela Lansbury character. And then the other moment he's kind of back to being his self, his normal self, mm-hmm. which they portray as kind of a cowardly, um, spastic kind of guy mm-hmm. right but i'm not talking about that part I'm, what i'm talking about is when it's just him being normal sometimes he's portrayed as this cowardly dude mm-hmm. and then other times his character just will come up and be quick on his feet quick on his feet and show some some bravery and like he can step up and, and do things and i'm like i don't understand why he's <laughs> like I feel like it's because the plot requires him to be cowardly and which is when he's again, the most, and I could put in air quotes, funny, uh, (laughs) that they do that. So like, okay, we need him to be funny. So let's make him cowardly. And then on a dime without any of the snapping or hypnotizing, (laughs) he'll all of a sudden be brave. And it's because, well, I guess because you, you can't really have your protagonist be completely cowardly. Mm. That won't work. So 
when all those when all that was happening, I was thinking two things. I was like, one, I was like, I don't understand this character. Why is he is he cowardly or is he brave? Uh, and then the the other thing I was thinking is like, uh, this is this is just being done for plot purposes, which was you know, I get it, but it didn't quite work for me. I think that's a valid criticism. Uh, I can yeah, I totally see what you're what you're saying. I, I've always just kind of overlooked that because. I don't know. It's just kind of a. I always think of this as kind of a light comedy, um, so I'm willing to forgive it. You know, a few sins. I, I think you're exactly right. It is just because the plot requires him to be a certain way at a certain time that that that's like that. Um, but yeah, I I, I forgive it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for, I, I forgive it as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm just mentioning it. Yeah. Um, I was I was impressed. I'm always impressed every time I watch it. And you kind of already alluded to it, but the movie just looks fantastic. And I really like some of the. I think they're like matte paintings. Like you, you see, like the structure of the castle, and then there are scenes where you see off into the distance. And I think it's just blended really well, and it it, mm-hmm. it all works really well. And I think you know you mentioned it was a flop. I think I read at one point that this at the time was the most expensive comedy ever made. Hmm. And yeah, obviously was not a huge success at the, at the time. Um, and I don't know that I, I profess not to know a lot about the career of Danny Kaye. So I don't know what his movie career was like after this. Um, but I think this is definitely considered to be, um, the high point of his career. Um, as far as the, the quality of the movie, this movie gets played a lot like on TCM and, um, I don't know that you see other movies that he was in replayed so often. So, yeah, I think this is the quintessential Danny Kaye film, such as it is. Well, he's in Quiet Christmas. Oh, yeah. And um, I just thought of Walter Mitty as well. Yeah. I feel like that was sort of kind of forgotten about until that Ben Stiller remake came along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. That was you know, his other signature film. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I I can't say enough about how good it looks. And we watched it on streaming, and it it looks looked great. I did look uh, to see before we watched it on streaming if it was available, like to to, to purchase on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly enough, um, when I looked on like Amazon, it it seemed to be only available on DVD, hmm. which I don't know. I thought to myself, oh, maybe that'll maybe that will suffice. But then when we watched it on streaming, I thought to myself. Um, this really deserves like a Blu-ray release. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would look okay on DVD, but I think it would really pop on, on, on Blu-ray or, or even 4k. Um, but those are more expensive. So. Yeah. I mean, it looked really good streaming and it's free if I'm not mistaken on Amazon. I mean, free if you are Have Prime. Amazon prime, yeah. Amazon prime. What do you think kids like of today would think of this movie? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, they might think it's a little slow at times. They might not. They might not really dig the humor. I I, I don't know. That's you know because the the plot actually is pretty complicated, and I don't know. You know, maybe I'm maybe I don't have a high enough opinion of kids, but I feel like a, uh, some so, at some ages you might not be able to follow some of the complicated plot. Plot. I don't know. But there are, there are moments, certainly. I mean, I saw this for the first time at a fairly young age, and I really liked it. I mean, there are, there are 
there are parts that are slapstick and I think kids would like that. The whole, the whole extended sequence where they have to make him a knight and they have to do it really quickly. So they take him through all the, all the, uh, the things that he has to do to become a knight and it's really fast. And I don't know. I found it funny as a kid and I still find it funny. All right. So, <laughs> uh, what do you give it out of 10? Um, you know, I'll give it a 9.5. Okay. I'll give it a 7.5. <laughs> and our score is an 8.5. And it's on the tomato meter. It's a 97% fresh from critics and a 94% from audiences. Oh, so people really like this movie. It, it you know, I would recommend it. <laughs> uh, it's uh, The Court Jester. Yes. It's our first entry in our new retro series. So stay tuned for more. And happy birthday, Ashley. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you.